Welcome to Harrimanology, the official podcast to keep up with Harriman City. We'll take you inside the city, explore the latest news and updates, show you how your government operates, and discuss the issues that affect us all. Now, here are your hosts talking all things Harriman on Harrimanology. Harrimanology episode three. Glad to have you with us on Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. I am uh, John LaFollette, Communications Manager at Harriman City, uh, sitting alongside, as always, Tammy Moody, Assistant City Manager, and uh, today we're talking a little bit of water conservation. It's been dry. It, it continues to be dry. It has definitely been dry, and we're right at that time of the year when everybody wants to turn on their sprinklers and start making their lawns nice and lush and green, but... That's not always the best idea. No, and to help us understand what we're doing, what we need to do, why we're doing it, we've brought in council member Sherry Orn, who serves on the, one, the city council of Harriman City, for heaven's sake, and two, the uh, board of the Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District. Um, we've also brought in Justin Edwards, who's the public works director here at Harriman City. Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning. Doing quite well. Great. So... What's the situation with our water? We keep hearing that it's dry. We haven't had enough precipitation. Um, we've been hearing in city council meetings, the last several meetings, you, uh, Council Member Warren coming back from the board meetings explaining what the situation is. For those people who haven't uh, paid attention to those city council meetings, what is the situation, at least with the Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District, from whom Harriman gets a, a significant portion of its water? Um, I believe that we rated it exceptionally extreme or, or something like that, just to try and really highlight the severe drought that we are currently in, not just in our area, but across the state. So where exactly does our water come from? I mean, we obviously are served through Jordan Valley water, but where does the water come from? We're, we're not that far away from mountain bases that you'd think that there would be runoff. Right. Yeah. So we do, we do get the majority of our water from runoff. Um, but the runoff we receive our water from is the Provo River drainage. So the majority of the water that serves Salt Lake County as a whole um, comes from Deer Creek, Jordanelle, um, from the Provo River. Um, and then we also provide uh, water through our own sources. We have five groundwater culinary drinking wells, and that provides about 40% of Harriman's annual water use. And then the other 60% we get from Jordan Valley. And as we continue to grow, that Jordan Valley share will continue to increase because uh, our sources, I don't want to say are tapped out, but um, we can't provide a lot more water from our groundwater. And so Jordan River and the Provo River drainage is very important from us. And right now we're looking at the snow water equivalent in that Provo River drainage is 48% of normal. So. Um, it's very low, and the runoff this year um, has essentially gone into the dry, dry soil conditions that, we've, that we had going into fall last year. And that has used up about 25% of the snow water equivalent so far, and we'll start to see the runoff in the streams, um, which will start to fill those reservoirs of Deer Creek and Jordanelle and Utah Lake. I think it's interesting, too, when we talk about groundwater um, groundwater is coming from wells, deep water wells. It's really difficult to understand exactly the aquifers that are underneath the ground too. We don't know exactly how large they are, how much water they contain. We can obviously tell 
you know, depth and things like that. But we don't really have a clear vision ever of exactly what those are. And traditionally for um, many years, as farmers would irrigate and flood irrigate the ground, that water actually recharges the aquifers. Mm. And we no longer continue to do that in Harriman. There are very, very limited um, areas in Harriman that do any kind of irrigating, let alone flood irrigating. So um, we're not recharging those aquifers, but we continue to increase the use of those aquifers. So it would be um, make sense that we're going to overuse those at some point if we don't manage them well. Right. Yeah, that's so, correct. As we talk about all of these different water sources um, that feed our city, what are the threats to the water in our community and how is the water wasted? Um, the, the threats are if we have continued drought as far as being able to supply water. Um, and then wasting the water, as Sherry alluded to, is you're not putting it back in the ground if it's wasted. And, and the waste, the biggest waste we see is uh, when your sprinklers are overspraying into the road or on sidewalks and driveways. That just goes down the gutter, you know, into the storm drain system and eventually onto the Jordan River. And so that water is difficult to be able to recapture and reutilize. If you keep it within your landscaped areas, you will see an increase in the recharge because then it can be able to go down into the ground what's not used by the plants and, and landscape. So um, water waste that we see is typically overspray of sprinklers and then obviously overwatering your landscaping. So if we, if we see our neighbors, our neighbor Joe is uh, watering his lawn a lot. He likes to keep his lawn really green. What do we do if we see that? We're ourselves trying to conserve. Do we report that? Do we just not worry about it and, uh, <laughs> you know, just kind of take care of ourselves? What do you recommend if we see other people wasting water? Um, we would prefer to see if you feel comfortable to actually go up and, and speak with them. You know, if they're out in their front yard and they're doing yard work or something, just go up and just talk to them. And it could be as easy just letting them know. Maybe they don't know their sprinklers are running for longer, right? Maybe they don't understand that because they may not see it. Um, and so the one of the best ways is just to start the conversation with them. Um, the second method is you, you're always welcome to contact the city. Um, we have access to their watering records, and we can look into that and be able to look and see if they are actually going over what uh, is typical or at for an average lot size that they have. And then we can reach out to them and give them some education and provide them materials on ways they can serve, conserve the water. So um, both ways works just fine. So I had some neighbors that they would water in the morning and in the evening. And when I was talking to them about water conservation, they said that they're on secondary water. So water conservation doesn't really matter. It doesn't apply to them because they're not using the culinary service. Right. Is that true? No, that's not true. Water is water. <laughs> water is still water. Um, and you're starting to see a big push, especially through legislation right now, about metering secondary water. And that is because there's been a large amount of waste um, for the last few decades in secondary. And so you're starting to see that big push from legislation. Um, and Harriman City, since we started our irrigation system, um, has required meters. And we have found that our overall water use in our secondary areas is much less than those areas in cities that don't have meters. So it is still as important to conserve with secondary water as it is culinary. Yeah. So where does the secondary water come from? Um, the majority of the secondary water that we provide to our residents comes essentially from Utah Lake. 
and it is pumped through a series of canals and then we draw the water out of canals uh, to put into our irrigation system. We do have a couple uh, non-culinary wells that we also put into the secondary system, um, but those don't reach all of our customers. Those are typically serving the water to uh, the northern portion of Harriman. Um, but for the most part, 90% of the water comes from Utah Lake. So if you have culinary water or secondary water, are there better times to water in order to help your soil maintain moisture? Yeah, so you typically want to water in the nighttime hours. Um, we have an ordinance that actually prohibits watering between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., and that is essentially evaporation. Um, and so if you can water during the nighttime hours, uh, that is the best for the lawn because then it gives it a chance to be able to seep into the ground to the roots of where the, the lawn needs it, and then it won't evaporate during the daytime. So those are the best times to water. Are we going to run out of water? <laughs> I, get, I get that question a lot. <laughs> what happens? What's, what, uh, well, I don't, I don't think we're going to run out of water, but maybe you can explain uh, what, what we typically answer to people who ask that. Um, the answer I typically give is no, but it comes with we are all going to have to work together, right? Um, we're going to do our best to make it so that we're not going to run out of water. Obviously, our, our main duty is to supply drinking water. And um, we have in place and the state has in place to where we can restrict water usage. Um, we want to be able to maintain water storage and supply for what its intended use is, and that's culinary drinking water. And so if we have to limit and have restrictions on outdoor watering, uh, then that's what it'll come to. So every drop of water we can save now is going to provide for later um, so that we can all have water, you know, in the years to come. So when you're the only one that you think is conserving water, so you think you're not making a difference, you really are making a difference. Yeah, no question. Yeah, certainly. Um, we obviously have these discussions a lot on the Jordan Valley Board. Um, no, we have a contingency plan to provide that type of water. And just like Justin said, if, if there have to be restrictions on watering your lawn or your outdoor use, those types of things, then those would have to be put in place because primarily everyone needs water to live. So we need to, tr to do our best to provide that drinking water. But um, when people don't conserve and and maybe take this less serious than it is, what happens is it bumps projects up. So there's a long-range plan based on city plans. What do you think your city's going to build out as? So all those things are, are taken into account as we're trying to plan for water usage in the long run. You know, over the next 50 years, we need to understand how cities are going to grow, what type of impact is there going to be. And and also we have to look at weather conditions over a period of time. What does it look like? And, and kind of guess a little bit at that because Mother Nature gets to determine that. We don't get to. But we look at patterns and things like that to understand how to project needs. But when people don't conserve, those needs are bumped up substantially. And so then water projects have to be bumped up, which is extremely expensive. Not to mention we were dealing with a finite resource, so there's no guarantee exactly what will be there. But there are definitely plans, but those plans have to be bumped up substantially in, in, in order to make it more economical for everyone and make your tax rates not crazy. It's really super important to get on board with the conservation efforts so that those long-range plans can continue as they are and it's um, less impactful for everyone. 
Something the county said uh, a few days ago caught at least my eye. Um, they said if just 25% of residents save 5% of their water, that will save about, uh, I think it was nine swimming pools worth of water every single day. That's wild. That's a lot of water. 5% doesn't seem like very much. Um what are some things that people can do just in everyday use that you think can realistically reduce that 5% or more um, without really impacting their daily life? Take shorter showers. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't run the, it, all the, all the standard ones are pretty easy. Shorter showers. Don't let the water run while you're brushing your teeth. Same as when you're rinsing off your dishes, maybe maybe put a little water in the sink and just rinse them all off and then put them in your dishwasher. Little things like that make a big difference. Obviously, the biggest one is outdoor watering. That's when we see the numbers really spike is outdoor watering. And grass really doesn't need to be watered every day. It's much more healthy on your grass to let it get some deep roots. So really try and look at those habits and those patterns that... You know, there's a lot of things. There's local scape, there's slip your strip, there's all those types of things that are bigger projects, but there's a lot of little habits that we can get into that can help save and conserve. Yeah. Um, the best way I like to look at it is it's a piggy bank, right? And so if you're putting a couple cents in a piggy bank every day, um, eventually you look at that piggy bank and it's full. Yeah. And it's almost, the conservation is almost the reverse of that. So we have reservoirs that store the water so that if we use less out of those reservoirs, it's we're keeping our piggy bank full um, for future years because we don't know what the environment is going to bring in the future. We don't know if we're going to have continued uh, you know, snowfall like we saw this last year. So if we can keep those piggy banks full, then that allows us to be able to have extend our water into years to come. Um, and, and some of the misconceptions that people see when they're watering their lawn is they see when the lawn starts to turn kind of a light greenish almost lime color and they think that's yellowing because of less water it's actually because you're overwatering, um, and so a lot of times it may look like your lawn is not having enough water but it's actually the opposite so um, another good method is if you have yellow spots in your lawn don't run the full sprinkler system go out and just put a and hand water it or put a, a sprinkler with your hose out and just water that one area rather than your whole zone to water that area so those are some some good tips uh, a couple of things i want to point out is in the winter time a typical average household in harriman uses about six thousand gallons a, a month in the summertime the average goes up to about 42,000 gallons a month. So, wow. So you're seeing a, a huge spike. <laughs> that is a big difference. 35,000 gallons a month that we're using in outdoor water. So um, anytime that you can shorten your cycle times on your sprinkler clocks by just a few minutes even, that's a pretty easy way to get that 5%. So... Yeah, I know it's small, but like I have a house full of teenagers. And so I feel like all I do is wander through the house and see half empty glasses of water. Mm -hmm. um, and so I usually end up just gathering those up and I water my plants with it yep. yeah, um, instead of pouring it down the sink. Yep. So it's just something little, but all of my plants get watered that way yep. thanks to my teens. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Councilmember Orn, you mentioned Flip Your Strip, Local Scapes, a few of those programs. Um, would both of you mind explaining a little bit more about those what are those how do people access that information what resources can they go to to learn more about that sure flip your strip is basically for park strips so that that your park strips not just a big path of grass yeah um and the program 
allows you to go on there. There's funding available for flip your strip programs to go in and, and replace that sod with, with environmentally responsible landscaping that can help conserve. Um, but it still looks beautiful. Local scapes helps you retrofit or hopefully before you even put in a backyard or something like that. Obviously, we have a lot of new residents pretty often in our community that need to finish their backyards. Local scape is a program that can really help you plan that and help you make your backyard very conservation friendly. And it's much cheaper to do it that way than if you have to go back after. And But even if you have to go back after and look at different ways, local I think it's localscapes.org or .com. I'm sorry, I don't remember which one, but look up localscapes. There's that program. We have a conservation garden at the Jordan Valley Conservancy District, Water Conservancy District, that you can come, you can tour through that. There's classes you can take to help you put in um, just eco conservation-friendly landscaping and things like that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of programs like that. And there there are some funding available with that also. Not a, Not... It's not going to pay for the whole thing, for sure, but um, it kind of helps soften it a little bit. And if residents go to our website, harriman.org, we do have links to all of these programs on our website. So. Yeah, and Slow the Flow is another big one, Utah mm-hmm. Water Savers Incentives. Um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the big incentives that they have there is they have a grant program that allows you to um, get a, a smart controller for your irrigation system, and it uses uh, the weather to be able to predict when and uh, when you need water, when you don't need to water. Um, you can set it up. A lot of them now have are app-friendly, and they have apps to where you can go in and, and modify those settings on your app. Um, it, it'll send you reports on you know, how much water you've used and, and how much water you've saved. So um, there are some grant programs out there through Slow the Flow, and, and those are good methods and ways to be able to conserve water. One thing we hear from time to time is, this sounds great, but I'll conserve water when my neighbor or insert government entity here does. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Harriman City doing? Uh, we'll speak with uh, Deputy Parks and Recreation Director Anthony Tusher soon uh, about specifically parks, but uh, maybe on a, a wider scale, uh, what is the city doing to address this? Um, so I, I won't go into the parks as much, but they have developed and adopted some best management practices um, for our city-owned properties and landscapes to try and conserve as much water as they can. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Anthony, he's, he's very on board with conserving water, uh, trying to understand what means and methods they can do to try and conserve. Um, but as a whole, I will say the city does their best to conserve water. Um, sometimes people will see, you know, city areas being watered you know, four and five and six times a day, or sorry, a week, excuse me. Um, And those are typically on areas that see high recreation. So the more recreation you have on sports fields and, you know, those types of areas that get used a lot, they just take more water to be able to keep alive. And it's not necessarily that we're trying to keep them lush and green. It's just we're trying to keep them alive. Uh, They do other, a lot of, a lot of other maintenance as well. Um, top dressing and going out and and trying to do things to be able to prepare those for those that high use but you know it's just a simple fact to keep it alive it needs a little more water in the more inactive parks they obviously water a little bit less so so when you do see that it's not because we're wasting water it's just we're trying to keep the fields alive uh, right I probably have maybe 10 kids walk across my lawn every day Mm -hmm. but the parks have thousands of kids that walk across the lawn every day it's it's a big difference 
Yeah, I'd, I'd also add to that, and it's maybe a little bit of a combination of what the city's doing, or, or maybe what the residents can do, or, or with your neighbor and things like that. But oftentimes, especially we have a lot of really active people, and like early, early in the morning, they might be out running or walking and things like that. And it seems like that's when you see the little geysers going off because people are running their sprinklers mm-hmm. in the night or, or the times that are recommended so that mm-hmm. everything's not evaporating. And so you don't even see if you have a broken sprinkler head because you, you're asleep or you're you're just not there at the time. And so if you see that, tell somebody instead of just going, oh, they have a geyser and just keep moving. Just tell somebody, put a little note on their door or something like that so that call the city if you see one of our sprinklers. Because even though they're being inspected constantly, it's it's really hard sometimes to keep on top of that. So really reach out and let people know when you're seeing something like that, that, hey, you have a broken sprinkler head and it's shooting water in the air. Yeah. And, and thanks for bringing that up, Sherry. Uh, one good thing you can do is maybe once a month, <clears throat> or twice a month, just go out and run your sprinklers in the daytime, like on a Saturday and Sunday after you mow the lawn. Just turn your sprinklers on for a short period of time and inspect those sprinkler heads. Because as, as Council Member Orn mentioned, you, you don't typically see those because you're typically asleep. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good practice to just, you know, turn them on when you can go out and just inspect them. Uh, thanks for coming in. That was a, a quick 15, 20 minutes, whatever that was. Uh, we appreciate you <laughs> spending some time talking about water conservation. That'll be an ongoing conversation. Those two words, I always struggle <laughs> typing those and saying those. Uh, it'll be an ongoing thing for us. Uh, the said you'll see uh, informational pieces at Fort Harriman Town Days. Um, this this is an important thing, and we're all, we're all part of the battle against uh, drought. So appreciate you coming in. And uh, coming up next, we'll talk to Deputy... Director of Parks and Recreation, Anthony Tusher, about what the Parks Department specifically is doing. That's coming up next on Hermanology. Welcome back to Hermanology, segment two. We have multiple segments today. We're excited about that because right now we're bringing in Deputy Director of Parks, Recreation, and Events, Anthony Tusher. Uh, Anthony, how are you today? Good. Good to be here with you guys. Good. We're excited to have you. We're talking about a very important topic, which is water conservation. One thing we get fairly frequently whenever we push out water conservation information or other government entities have very similar comments. I'll conserve water when insert government entity here does. Um, And (laughs) obviously irrigation water takes up a lot of water for everyone, whether it's in their own yards or the city. What is Harriman City doing with its parks, irrigation to help conserve water this year when the drought is so bad? Yeah, so uh, we've we've taken a number of measures this year to uh, do our part to help conserve water. Um, I mean, and, and we've we've published a list of best management practices that uh, we're going to be following this year. Um, and I mean, one of I, we could, I guess we could start at the top. One one thing that we do, and this is something that we do normally anyway, um, is we're, we uh, conduct weekly evaluations of our irrigation system. Um, we'll just run through, have our irrigation technicians run through their areas and make sure that they don't have any visible leaks or any areas that uh, don't seem to be functioning or operating correctly. And we'll make sure that we're making those repairs in a timely manner so we're not wasting water. Um, that way. So we do we do weekly visual inspections and then we also do monthly audits on our systems as well. Well, we'll go go through, we'll turn the systems on completely, have the irrigation techs watch their systems run for a few minutes 
and make adjustment adjustments on those systems if if they need to. I mean, we don't want those the heads out there get uh, out of line and out of whack so easily. Maybe a nedger comes by or a kid is messing with them or they they get kicked or something. And so we don't want those um, heads to be spraying the sidewalk when it, when they don't need to, or we don't want them uh, spraying out into the road. And we, I mean, we literally have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of heads out there that we have to um, maintain. So it's a it's kind of a daunting task, but we do what we can to make sure that our system is functioning properly and adjusted properly so we're not wasting water. So that, that's a big thing that we do on a regular basis. Um, I guess another thing that we're going to be doing this year that is uh, slightly different uh, from years past is we're going to be reducing um, how often we're, our, we are watering different areas. So uh, we've committed to reducing our watering in our passive recreation areas to no more than three times a week. Um, what this means is we're probably going to see, see some areas that are going to go brown, uh, may look slightly dead. Three times a week is going to be enough to keep that um, sod alive and going. It just may not look pretty, and it may not be fun to run on with your bare feet, right? But, uh, we're, again, that's just something that we've committed to and that something that we want or trying to do to conserve water. Um, in, our, in our active recreation areas, our sports fields and, and areas that are used um, for recreation, we obviously have to water a little bit more to keep those areas alive and thriving. So, I mean, with as much use that those areas get, um, it just requires more water to keep them going. So we won't be watering any more than five times a week um, on those areas. Now, it may, it may seem like a lot, but that is what is going to be required to keep those areas alive and, and useful for all the sports teams and, and leagues that are using those areas. We'll be ready to Photoshop all of our pictures this year to make <laughs> the, the make, yellow lawns look green. green. Grass. <laughs> right. No, we did touch a little bit on that when we were speaking with um, the public works director, Justin Edwards, and council member, Sherry Orn, um, that the use on our front lawns is much different than the use in our parks. There right. are so many more people that walk on our parks and, you know, play soccer and other sports on our parks, which really does kind of add to the wear and tear right. for lack of a better word on our grass and that does lead to the city's need to water more than you residents do. water their lawns exactly yeah if you think about if you go to one of our parks on a weekend uh say butterfield park i mean you you'll see baseball groups there you'll see football you'll see lacrosse rugby all sorts of uh different leagues there that are using those fields and they're there um all day long right they're they're on those fields all day long and that's just on the weekends. And then weekdays, they're there during the nights, probably from 3, 3.30 in the afternoon on till sometimes 10 at night. They are on those fields, using those fields constantly. So it requires a lot more maintenance and a lot more water than your your backyard or your front, front yard might. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, and so it, it, in some, it, I can see how some people may see that as being kind of a uh, hypocritical of us. Uh, because we are watering more in those areas than they might than what we might be asking them to water in their front yards, but the reality of the situation is those areas are just used more and they take more water and maintenance. But we are still instilling conservation efforts in every area that we can. Absolutely, we. I mean, we don't want to be we don't want to be called out by, by our residents. We don't want to be hypocritical um, and having a, a double standard. Uh, we're gonna. We are doing everything that we can in our power to conserve water. We, I mean, we've taken the governor's mandate very seriously. Um, I, I've tried to 
instill that or um, ingrain that in our um, irrigation technicians out there that we desperately need to conserve water this year. And I think they've bought into that. They understand that. So, um, we're, again, we're just doing everything we can on our end to uh, conserve water, um, but also kind of balance that and, and keep our parks and open space alive um, and, and usable for the public. So we also get a lot of calls and comments on social media about overwatering in park strips um, with the water going all over the sidewalks or the roads. Um, I think in spite of popular belief, the city doesn't own all of the park strips in front of businesses. However, I think that we would still be willing to, you know, accept those calls and information so that we can notify businesses. But on the city-owned park strips, do we make sure that, you know, the sprinklers aren't completely overwatering into the roads or, you know, how, how is that monitored? Yeah, absolutely. Again, that, that goes back to our, um, and, or our monthly audits and our weekly checks. Um, and, and then we also get a lot of feedback from residents because, like I said before, those, um, those sprinkler heads in the, in the park strips, uh, they're probably the ones that are most susceptible to damage or um, misalignment uh, because they get hit by a piece of equipment or an edger that goes through, through there, something like that. So, um, yeah, we're always we're constantly monitoring those heads. They should not be spraying out into the road or onto the sidewalk. Like I said, we've got tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of those heads that uh, we're trying to keep track of. And I've got, we've got four, excuse me, four irrigation technicians in our parks department to take care of all those heads. So um, as much as we try to stay on top of those, um, it is a, it's a difficult task and it's tough for them to stay on top of all those. So any feedback that we can get from residents, um, letting us know, hey, you got a head here or there that's spraying out into the road, or it looks like it's damaged, it's just bubbling up. We, we love that feedback from residents, and that really helps us out a lot. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do everything we can to keep those heads adjusted and, and aligned properly, but it's just it's an ongoing maintenance issue that we're dealing with. Does the city water during the daytime? Because that's something we encourage residents to not do. Is that, mm-hmm. Does the city water during the day? No, we do not water uh, we during the daytime. We follow our ordinance, um, which states that we will not water before 6 p.m., and we we have to stop watering by 10 a.m. Now, we typically try to have all our watering done before 10 a.m., and we typically don't start watering till 9 or 10 at night um, just because the parks are open until then. Um, there are some areas that require a lot longer to get through all the watering, so maybe they, they start and end a little bit later, but we do water within that uh, water window that is specified in our ordinance. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we definitely don't do that during the day. We do have... Uh, our irrigation technicians are out there and they're running our systems at times during the day to check and adjust things, uh, which may give the appearance that we're watering during the day, but um, really they're just running through their systems. They have to have things on to know where things are spraying and adjusting. So if you ever see that, um, that the, a system is on during a day, it, it's, it doesn't hurt to maybe give us a call and we can either let you know, hey, we're just running through that system in that area today, trying to make some adjustments, or there's always a possibility that a valve is stuck um, from uh, overnight as we get a rock or something in a valve and it, and it stays open and on um, for a while. And again, that's when we love that feedback um, from residents, that information from residents just to let us know, hey, you may have an issue here with a system. Uh, we've also seen that our controllers and clocks, they malfunction at times and they'll just kick on randomly um, for no reason. Um, it's part of, I guess, just part of an aging infrastructure. Um, and we 
we'll have to go out and shut things off manually and try and figure out why things kicked on. So we, we don't intentionally water during the day, but there are times you may see our sprinklers on during the day, but usually there's a good reason that they're on. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes things just happen, but um, we're quick to correct that if that is the case. Uh, if you do see something that you want to report, you can go to harriman.org um, slash report an issue or just search report an issue on there. One of the forms is reported parks maintenance issue. That goes straight to staff to be able to take care of. So if you see something, give us a call 801-446-5323 or go online and report that and we'll get that solved. All right. Well, thanks, Anthony, for joining us. I uh, really appreciate your time today. Like we said last segment, this is an issue that all of us are facing across the entire state of Utah. Any conservation you can do will go a long way. The city's doing its part. And we ask residents to do their part as the governor is asking the rest of the state to do their part. And I think we'll get out of this just fine. So yes, be sure to check out our website um, for uh, tips and tricks on how to conserve water. There's also links to Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District, local scapes, and some of the additional programs that will give you more information on how to conserve. All right. Thanks for coming in, Anthony. Appreciate your time. I appreciate it. All right. Before we check out of this episode, it is event season and we have a lot of things on the city calendar coming up. We want to let you know about listen up and get ready to mark that calendar. Every day is something new. Here's what's coming up in the next few weeks in Heron. All right. Starting next week, May 10th through the 15th is police officers Memorial week. That's across the United States. Um, to, participate in that there are a few things the community can do uh, depending on the day so tuesday and wednesday are think a police officer day and uh, share a story day so we're encouraging the public to every, every time you see an hpd officer around town go ahead and say hi uh, thank them for their service uh, additionally we'll provide a form on harriman.org you can access right there on the main page uh, there'll be a link to the form uh, to share a story if you have any of an HPD officer, HPD officer, or any other officer you've encountered, um, at any point, just uh, to share a positive story and to let them know that we're grateful for what they do, the sacrifices they put out. So that's Tuesday and Wednesday, May 11th and 12th. Uh, May 13th is honk and wave with all five fingers, please, at a uh, police officer day. So if you see them around town in the car, go and honk, give them a wave with all five fingers. And uh, they'll be very appreciative of that. Friday and Saturday, May 14th and 15th, will be the police officer's memorial trail. That will be at Butter, excuse me, that will be at Black Ridge Reservoir, uh, the paved trail up there. So there are no set times for that because it'll be uh, displays of different officers' bios, their stories. Uh, those and These officers are, are fallen officers from the state of Utah. Um, you can go and, and read about their story and, and get to know the them and the service they, they did. Um, that'll be around about a half-mile trail at Blackridge Reservoir. You can go at your leisure there. Uh, included there will be um, a display for HPD K-9 Hondo, who uh, passed away in the line of duty last year, uh, February 2020. So that is next week, Police Officers Memorial Week. Uh, the trail is the 14th and the 15th, Friday and Saturday. Also taking place Saturday the 15th at Butterfield Park is the Pedalpalooza. So this is a bike-centered event, bicycle-centered event. 
uh, where we will have 300 swag bag giveaways for the first 300 kids there. There will be bike safety helmet checks. We will have a bike safety course. Unified Fire Authority is going to come out and do some firefighter training with the kids. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. They'll have a also have a drawing for a giveaway of a few bikes. So that's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Butterfield Park out in the parking lot. You'll see signage for that everywhere. Uh, free admission, no cost. Just come with your bikes and uh, get ready to have a fun time there. Monday, May 31st is Memorial Day. So this is back to the normal Memorial Day uh, tradition that we have here at Harriman City. So that will include at Main Street Park from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. a breakfast. Uh, there at the pavilion. You can register to get the breakfast at harriman.org slash events um, or harriman.org slash Memorial Day. It'll take you to the same information. At 9 o'clock down the road, there will be a ceremony at the Harriman City Cemetery. Uh, so this is the same ceremony that's happened in years past where the American Legion post 140 will read aloud the names of each U.S. military veteran that is laid to rest in the Harriman Cemetery. It's a really neat event. Uh, we encourage you to come out. So that's, once again, Memorial Day at 9 a.m. The breakfast takes place from 7 to 11 a.m. Then we get into the meat of the summer events. So the first weekend in June, the 4th and the 5th, is the PRCA Rodeo. This is back to normal. Full stands, full list of events. It's going to be a lot of fun. That, as normal, will be taking place at the rodeo grounds at Butterfield Park. We encourage you to, to come out. Uh, wear a cowboy hat, eat some good food, and watch some rodeo action down on the arena grounds. Later in the month is Fort Harriman Town Days. We had to cancel this last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We are so happy to have this back. We'll give you more details as we go along on future podcast episodes. But uh, to make you aware, it is taking place June 21st through 26th. The carnival and the main festivities at Butterfield Park will be that Thursday through Saturday, 24th of the 26th. On that Tuesday, the 22nd, will be the Yeti Run 5K and One Mile Kids Fun Run. Register for that at harriman.org slash events or slash Yeti Run. Again, same information. You can find it all there. Register the next couple of weeks to guarantee your shirt size, um, but you'll have the t-shirt, you'll have swag yeti socks it'll be a lot of fun so that's the evening of june 22nd uh, additionally you can find carnival pre-sale tickets at the city hall up until june 23rd and once again the carnival taking place june 24th of the 26th so anyway we'll give you more details on town days as we get closer but we wanted to make you aware of the registration opportunities the ticket pre-sales uh, we're really excited to see you there. Really excited that this is going to happen. This town days is going to be great. We have a lot of really neat things planned from the events department. So we look forward to that. That is it for today's episode of Harmonology. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you listening. We hope you like this. We want to be a really transparent city. We have this avenue available to us uh, that we want to be able to get the information out, help get you involved in conversations, help inform you how your city operates. So Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe. Please let your neighbors know who are Herman residents. And we look forward to speaking with you again in the near future.